from WUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Taylor Burnett. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from across Southeast Ohio. This week on The Outlet, Ohio University students react to two incidents directed at black students on campus last week. I definitely felt like I needed to say something and speak and hear everybody's stories to make sure that we can continue to spread the word about what's going on and hopefully talk to President Sherman. And WUB reporter Joe Collins shows us a bright side of the pandemic in the sports world. For the first time ever, two sisters get to take the field together for Bobcat softball. This is the first time, yeah. We, When I was a senior, she was in eighth grade, so we just missed it by a year. So this is the first time we've gotten to play together. These stories and more, right here on The Outlet. Ohio University students gathered together last week to protest actions against two black students. A garbage bag including two racist slurs and a derogatory word aimed at women was left outside of the dorm of a freshman, who is black, and a white student urinated on the door of a black resident assistant. WUB reporter Kate Anderson followed the protest and spoke to students about what they hope administration hears. Emotions are high as Ohio University students hear about acts of violence against their peers. A protest was held at the university last week prior to the town hall where students could voice their concerns. Attendees of the protest joined together to express concern about Ohio University's lack of action in recent racist incidents at the university. The protest began at Peden Stadium parking lot with many students and alumni describing their experiences of racism at Ohio University. Attendees of the protest could be seen with tears in their eyes, as many of the stories were a common experience among minority students at the university. I've been called colored, the N-word, and I have had to educate people on these issues while also trying to heal from this, the racism that I've faced. So my question for Ohio University is, how are you protecting us? After many emotional testimonials, a group of at least 100 students, alumni, and residents started a peaceful march through Ohio University's campus. The group could be heard chanting, no policy, no peace, as they walked through Grover Center and Baker University Center. No peace! No peace! Wesley Revis, an Ohio University student, was moved by the protest and decided to join in. Halfway through class, we we heard them uh, coming through Grover, and I was just like, you know what, I'm, teacher, I'm stepping out of class, I'm going. As a leader of her organization, Lauren Brown, a black student union president, and other organizers of the protest say they needed to be out supporting their fellow students. Brown says she, along with other student leaders, lived in the dorms and understand what it is like. I definitely felt like I needed to say something and speak and hear everybody's stories to make sure that we can continue to spread the word about what's going on and hopefully talk to President Sherman about some action items and what we can do. Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter! Revis stands just outside the group of protesters and describes a similar scene of his grandpa protesting for civil rights in the late 1960s in Athens. He is now doing the same thing decades later. You would think we have grown as a country, but it seems like we just haven't. We, we, we push forward and then we get pushed back. It, it just doesn't fix itself. Brown and other speakers at the protest say they are unhappy with how Ohio University is handling the recent incidents. Person after person shared their story and described how violent acts begin with small microaggressions. 
But every time this happens, we can't just keep saying, oh, newsletter, we're sorry to hear that this happened, but then nothing else, no actions are coming from that. The students at the protest begged for action, change, and policies to keep them safe on campus. They say they want to feel safe walking to class in their dorms and feel the support of the university. These demands are not new. They are simple basic requirements that every person should have on their college campus. The recent events have heightened the concerns many minority students have for their safety on campus. Asking for change, that's essentially what everybody's been asking for today, for some change, new policy, actually speaking with administration one-on-one -on -one who's making these decisions for us, come talk to us. Ohio University Police Department released a statement saying they have charged one person involved in the recent events. The other event is still being investigated. Ohio University has released statements regarding the incidents, but policy change has yet to be enacted. For the outlet, I'm Kate Anderson. Students continued the conversation Monday at a Black Town Hall. They discussed the state of the community and actions they want to see moving forward. WUB reporter Andre Norris was there. Hundreds of students gathered at Ohio University to talk about discomfort of minorities on campus and the lack of support from faculty and other students. Dozens stood up to share personal stories to classmates and university staff in attendance. One of these students was sophomore Ben Hamilton. He came to share his opinion because of how the racial incidents made him feel. I was shaking in my boots because that could have happened to me. Freshman Gia Harper felt the emails the university sent to students regarding the racial incidents wasn't enough. We wanted to kind of see more of an action because anyone can email something, but not everyone can take an action to that email. Harper helped organize this event to help black students express their feelings to the university. We can't stop racism. That's just not possible. But if we can make this place better, then we've accomplished something. Many students gave ideas to the university on how they can make life for minorities on campus better. Some of these include diversity training for faculty, changing the application process for students, and to hire a more diverse staff. Hamilton believes things can change, but people need to come together. Unity, that, that's what we need, unity. If we work together as a unit, if we work together in symphony, we will be able to destroy bigotry. We gotta work together though. We can't leave a brother, we can't leave a sister behind. For The Outlet, I'm Andre Norris. The Regional VA Center in Chillicothe has been a resource to veterans in Southeast Ohio for decades. Sarah Donaldson reports the federal government is considering closing it. Family means everything to somebody who has dementia. And I've been married to this man for 54 years. And I don't want to lose him or have him go so far away. The Chillicothe VA Medical Center is a lifeline for Southeast Ohio veterans and their loved ones, right in some of their backyards. But its future is uncertain. A recent U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs report recommends closing the center, which oversees outpatient clinics in six rural southeast Ohio counties. 
Citing the age and use of buildings on the nearly 100-year-old campus, it's part of a broader market assessment of VA healthcare. But that recommendation is mobilizing the local community. From veterans... The bottom line is that veterans should come first, way up here, in the hell with the dollars. It's the greatest facility in the world. There are people like me and all these other veterans. To medical center employees and some federal and state lawmakers. I would say that most of Southern Ohio was surprised. You know, this is, uh, to us, it's a jewel of, the, of a facility. You talk to anybody that works out there and they'll tell you that, you know, they have pride in their facility. State Representative Mark Johnson says the medical center has a long history and a strong standard for mental health treatment, and it employs around 1,400 people. That's why he's introduced a resolution in the Ohio General Assembly to urge the Department of Veterans Affairs to keep the medical center open. I just don't think that we should just sit back and, and let the federal government decide I think the people of Ohio should send a loud signal that we want to save this facility. But Johnson and others leading the charge say that to keep the doors open, it's going to take a united front. For The Outlet, I'm Sarah Donaldson. The decision is in the public comment period. The commission will finalize its decision in January of 2023. It's always a joy for parents to watch their kids on the field together. For Tori and Emily Walker's parents, they never thought they would have the chance. But Joe Collins reports that the COVID-19 pandemic actually worked in their favor. The COVID-19 pandemic brought so many changes to life, especially in the sports world. While many games were played with masks and without fans, it also brought on a unique twist. The 2020-21 season wouldn't count for your eligibility. This allowed athletes to play an extra year if they wanted. For Ohio softball, this also brought on a golden opportunity for two sisters to finally get to play together, Tori and Emily Walker. This is the first time, yeah. We, When I was a senior, she was in eighth grade, so we just missed it by a year, so this is the first time we've gotten to play together. Tori, a grad transfer, and Emily, a sophomore, both graduated from Jonathan Alder High School in nearby Columbus, but because of their four-year age difference, they never got the chance to play together. So after Tori graduated from Winthrop in 2021, she had one last year to play softball. And when the chance came to get to play with her sister Emily, it was an easy decision where she wanted to go. Oh, it was a huge part. <laughs> then I knew I would have a friend already automatically. Um, I knew we would get along. Well, we weren't sure actually how we would get along, but it's gone better than I expected. So having her here definitely was the number one influence on my decision coming here. With this being their first and possibly only time ever playing together on a softball team, Tori and Emily want to make sure that it's a memorable time together, so they've made some ways to support each other whenever they're playing, while reminding each other of their bond as sisters. Well, we have our um, <laughs> bracelets that we both wear that say Bobby's for Bobby, since um, we're the Bobcats, and we, have a, well, we had a cat, he died, his name was Bobby. But we have these bracelets that we always wear, and that's for him. Of, yeah. And like when she's, if there's like a situation, she's up to bat, I'll always be like, Bobby's for Bobby. Like, remember. Or him. Yeah. <laughs> if we're ever on the bases together, we look at each other and we'll say, sister for sister. Because that was an old saying that we had back in high school all through that time. Both of them agree that getting to play alongside one another has been better than they ever expected and been such a dream for their family as they get to watch both of them play. Tori and Emily pretty much agree on everything. 
Well, except their nose rings. <laughs> <laughs> no, she copied me. <laughs> no, she. You're just older and were able to get one before me. <laughs> she likes piercings. I do. So she already had one. Yeah, <laughs> she copied. <laughs> no. You can watch Tori and Emily and Ohio softball in Athens on April 5th against Akron. Reporting for the outlet, I'm Joe Collins. Severe Weather Awareness Week was last week, and forecaster Henry Groff shares some tornado safety tips. That's the sound of incoming danger. If you hear this siren, it means a tornado is on the way. And it's important to be prepared when the alarm sounds. If you are outside, be sure to note hazards such as flooding and gusty winds. Seek shelter inside, but do not hide underneath a bridge. If indoors, get yourself and your loved ones to the basement or lowest floor. You're gonna wanna find the best place to shelter and have as many walls around you as possible, such as this hallway. Then if you have a helmet, grab a helmet, but if you don't have a helmet, a pillow will suffice. You will want to get as low to the ground as possible and protect your head. Stay in your basement until you're given the all clear signal from the National Weather Service. Simple lightweight objects like this barricade to very heavy objects like the cars behind me can easily be picked up by tornadoes and thrown into windows or even walls like behind me. Tornadoes can be pretty to watch, but they are very dangerous. It is best to stay clear and close the window. Power outages can also be common as gusts can tear down power lines. There are many ways to get notifications about severe weather conditions. If you have a smartphone, make sure to turn on your notifications by going to your settings and turning on emergency alerts. For Newswatch, I'm forecaster Henry Groff in Athens. I'm joined today by WUB Sports Director Brian Kirk. And Brian, rough weekend for softball with all that crazy weather, huh? Tell me a little bit about that. Oh, yeah, the weather was absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, I was down at the Ohio softball field uh, last Friday, and it was cold. Uh, it got really windy. Uh, I'm someone that loves to watch baseball, softball, but sometimes with all that cold, you know, my feet, I couldn't feel my feet by the end of the, uh, by the, end of the day. Uh, Got a little rainy towards the end, uh, but overall, I thought, you know, players still did pretty well considering all those conditions. The Bobcats are tough out there to be able to withstand the cold and still play a good game. Um, looking up for the softball team, what's coming? What's what's in the future? Yeah, so first, looking back at what they did against Bowling Green, the weather affected their schedule. So they were originally supposed to play a game on Friday, one game on Friday, and then a doubleheader on Saturday, but because of snow... In late March, uh, in Athens, they ended up moving both games up to Friday, and the Saturday game ended up getting canceled. So they played two games, you know, the Bobcats and Falcons split. Ohio took the first game. Not much offense there, as you'd expect with baseball being cold. Not much offense happens when it's cold. But, you know, the second game, it kind of flipped. Bowling Green got a little bit of offense going. Ohio had one good inning, I think maybe two good innings actually of offense, but Bowling Green ended up coming back, hit a big home run late in the game and won five to three. So both of them split those two games, uh, you know, 
usually coaches take that, you know, at least a split. Uh, you know, obviously the rubber match on Saturday was canceled. But looking ahead, you know, we got a rivalry, Ohio and Miami, beginning on Friday. And then they play one on Friday and then two on Saturday again. Seems like every week we're talking baseball, softball, and things get uh, changed around with the schedules and everything. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens there. You know, Bobcats are with a 8-16 and 16 record. Uh, still a couple weeks left in play. Actually, more than that, you know, over a month left to play. So, still a lot of time yet. Uh, hopefully the weather cooperates at least this weekend so we can see three games between Ohio and Miami out in Oxford. That time of the year for Ohio weather. Um, so for baseball, baseball was on the road. Tell me just a little bit about that. Yeah, so I mentioned the weather here in Athens. The baseball team went north to Bowling Green, so it was even colder there. And they played the Falcons for, again, they were supposed to play four games. They only played two. Weather was screwing their schedule up a lot as well. So that was tough for them. But, you know, Coming in playing uh, Bowling Green, who's rebuilding, I think only had two wins entering the weekend. Uh, you know, Ohio think maybe it'd get a couple easy wins. Well, on Friday, they got uh, beat pretty badly by the Falcons, 14-2 to two, uh, in seven innings. You know, maybe that's just because, you know, pitching in the weather, uh, hitting could be tough. Uh, you know, I'm not going to speculate anything in terms of that, but I think maybe that could be a reason why you know, maybe they just didn't play well on Friday. You know, games like that happened with baseball teams. Everyone has just an off day. Uh, but, you know, what a way to rebound on Saturday. Uh, what better way than with 21 runs scored? Uh, you never see 20-plus runs scored much in baseball. So the fact that uh, Ohio ended up coming back and getting that done is huge for them. Now this weekend, again, the weather is affecting their schedule in Mount Pleasant. Uh they're playing Central Michigan. They play one game on Saturday, two games on Sunday, and then they moved a game from Friday to Monday. So they're playing a Saturday, Sunday, and Monday series uh, because of the weather. I'm assuming it's snow up there in Michigan because usually when we get rain here, it's usually snow up there because it's much colder. Uh, but, yeah, it should be interesting what the baseball team does with an 11-8 and record, you know, 5-3 in the MAC. See what happens with them. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is produced each week by me, Taylor Burnett. We're edited by Teach Badia, Aaron Payne, and David Forster. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts. You can find us online at woub.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at newswatch underscore woub. We'll be back next week with more stories from Southeast Ohio.